Welcome to our podcast. We both have cold Heinekens in our hand on a cold, wet day in McLeod, Montana. Marshall, nice to have you here. Thank you, Bob. Indeed. Good to be here. As some of you may know, I wrote a book last fall that was 26, 28 vignettes about my dad dying at eight years old. And it was a good chance that we're sitting in my office here that is really nothing more than a shack that happens to have a decent Wi-Fi. And I wrote most of it here, so it's a good place to have this conversation. But as I reflected back on my life and losing my dad at eight years old, I really found that I got a lot of strength out of his absence, which is really a unique thing and something that most people wouldn't relate to. Marshall had a great relationship with his father through hunting and hockey and uh, general life. Lost him at 15? 16. 16. What's your reaction to that statement, Marsh? Well, I, like you, Bob, I'm sure have memories of the void that it created, but and I, a little differently than you, had him for a little bit longer in my life. And I think the most significant thing was my transition from boyhood to manhood, which mm-hmm. happened literally overnight. Yeah. Uh, I became the patriarch of the family. Yeah. You know, and I was. Well, you're the only guy in the family. I was too. the only one. I mm-hmm. had two sisters and my mom, mm-hmm. and I was also the youngest. Yeah. Um, but being the only male, I assumed that role by default. <laughs> right. And it matured me overnight. Yeah. And was that a good thing or a bad thing in your life? You know, I think in the long run, it was a great thing because at 16 years old, um, I was doing delinquent things like many others. Yeah. And that changed my trajectory pretty significantly. And yeah. I started to realize the important things in life. Not that I was completely void of that, but it, uh, magnified that for me, just made me start to focus on growing up. By doing so, I think I've had the good fortune of establishing a pretty stable life for myself now close to age 60. So in the long run, I think it was a... You know, that's interesting, stable, that I'd say the same thing. We all know guys that have run off the reservation, you know, they just... In one form or another, maybe they've needed to get out from their father's wings and they've done some weird shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wonder if there's if that's part of the effect. Yeah, it could be. It could be. I think, uh, fortunately, our family, it sounds, and what I know of yours, is was similar in the sense that there was a, uh, a strong sense of family growing mm-hmm. up. And although we lost dads too early, that perhaps solidified the importance of family and each member that, and what the roles that they play yeah, and made me strive for that in my own personal life as I grew up and raised my own family or our own family with yeah. you know, Robin, obviously. So, yeah. you know, he taught me some great lessons um, that I think to this day are lessons that resonate with me and I'm trying to pass down to my own children. So. Yeah. What would a couple of those be? One of the most important things that he said to me was always get it off your chest, which Mm. the message really was. You're good at that. I I know that. (laughs) No, but it has been a mantra that I think I've lived Mm -hmm. by and it served me relatively well in all facets, friendships, marriage, professionalism. Yeah. Attacking tough subject matter and things that you don't want to talk about or Mm -hmm. fights that you don't want to engage in Mm -hmm. or discussions 
But if you tackle them when they're manageable and they're finite, they're a lot easier. You let them build Mm -hmm. up and you get problems. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think that's what happens to a lot of marriages. Things go unsaid for too long and all of a sudden the wall's too hard to climb. So so I think that's one great lesson. And then the other lesson is, um, you know, he grew up in a pretty well-to-do family out of Syracuse, New York in the age of industrialism and um, lived with a staff and a beautiful house and so on and so forth. And uh, his father was too kind when the depression came around, or I shouldn't say too kind. He was a kind man Mm -hmm. who had real difficulty laying anybody off and basically Mm -hmm. lost his business. Mm -hmm. And they went from riches to rags overnight. He ended Mm -hmm. up living in an apartment building above a liquor store and sold four roses whiskey door to door. So the notion of the dollar and what it meant and how to earn it and living within your means was something that also that he passed down. And to this day, I still follow that path as well, which is to try to be modest and also not uh, live beyond whatever your financial capacity mm-hmm. is. And that's a hard thing to do yeah. in today's day and age with everybody borrowing. And I'm, just, I'm not saying he didn't borrow at all, but he had certainly had a mortgage on our house. But he lived within the means that he made yeah. and whatever. Well, he experienced it firsthand. Uh-huh. What can go wrong? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't take fancy vacations. He was a self-employed guy. You know, we went camping in our little pop-up camper every year and discovered for four or five weeks as a family, not only each other, but different parts of the country. And mm-hmm. so we went to the Southwest and the Canadian Rockies and various places and um, explored the United States, which yeah. was a pretty neat yeah. thing to do. yeah, so. yeah. You know, you're close to your sisters today. How did your dad's death affect that relationship over a long period of time? You know, I think we all rallied the void that was created there. We all rallied around each other. And most importantly, I think my mom. And uh-huh. um, Yeah. Yeah, it's good yeah, to I have was, a focal point. Yeah, it was definitely mm-hmm. a focal point. And I was, you know, my sisters were sort of up and out or were already in college and out of college. And I was going to college. It was the summer before my senior year in high school that he died. And it changed my application process. I applied to Michigan schools and fortunately Denison, because obviously that's where our friendship emanated from. But yeah. um, I was originally looking at more just purely Eastern liberal arts colleges. And I pretty much pack that in because a dear friend of mine's mom sort of said to me, you know, it'd probably be good for you to be a little bit closer to your mom. So uh-huh. Uh-huh. I looked at the state schools and then Denison is sort of the yeah. New England style liberal arts that was more Midwest based. Yeah. So, yeah. so, you know, I, I think we, to answer your question, we rallied around my mom and made sure she was supported. And I think in that process, it bonded the three of us as kind of a team that we're looking after my mom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because up until that, I would say we we were always close, but I was a sassy little 16-year-old, and my sisters yeah. were always trying to play parental roles, which I rejected yeah. fairly significantly. Yes. And uh, so we had a tense relationship as they were trying to be a parent, and I wasn't accepting them as a parent. But, yeah. Um, yeah. But that went by the wayside, and I think to this day, you know, we uh, obviously have a very strong relationship and fun. Well, you've done a other. great job of maintaining it, too. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 And, and pulling in your cousins and yeah, or your you know, nieces and nephews, and not, not your cousins. So. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting. You know, I, I've had my own health scares, as you know, and, you know, I was chatting with a therapist about this and you know as a therapist generally do they try to figure out like where your where your wires got crossed yeah. and why you're in front of them <laughs> and uh 
you know, I said to the, my therapist, I said, look, I, I got a pretty simple history. I said, I grew up in a happy family. I've been blessed all my life. You know, I said, I've got a wonderful marriage, three great kids. You know, I love my sisters and my mom. And I said, there's really not a tragedy that created any scarring. Well, I didn't think that the event of my dad's really had any residual impact, but it is interesting. And that discussion caused me to draw the parallel between my three children being, for all intents and purposes, my sisters and myself, and me being my father and the threat of illness and, you know, going upstairs. And um, that's been a little bit of a numbing implication, but yet a reasonable one, because I think it's one that, you know, we all have to be prepared for eventually. And it has caused me to cherish the moments that we have now yeah, and do my best to prepare myself or anybody else around me as to, you know, these times are not forever. But it was it was funny. It was sort of an epiphany, I guess, of some sorts that um, that that may have caused my anxiety over my own diagnosis to be more dramatic. Yeah. Well, hey, for good sub- reason. Subconsciously. I mean, yeah. You saw it happen. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. How about in terms of fatherhood? You know, you didn't really have, I mean, you had somewhat of the playbook, you know, until you were 16, but then, you know, beyond that college and kids getting jobs and everything else that, you know, you didn't get to witness that firsthand. How you think that uh, your dad, uh, you not having gone through that with your dad, is that hurt you or helped you with your kids? Well, you know, I think it's a little bit of the analogy of being thrown in the deep end of the pool. Mm-hmm. I think you you learn to swim probably yeah. a little faster than you do if you're got a swim instructor and you're in three feet of water. So I do think that there is an element of that that I was quick to learn. I I'm not sure. I I would like to know where the parent playbook exists. Yeah, yeah, right, right. It's yeah. got to be a bestseller if it ever comes yeah, out. Yeah, indeed. And, and, us, and, and what determines success on the back end? Right. Exactly. No one has yeah. no one has the game plan. It's yeah. kind of you know learn as you go. And you know yeah. I would admittedly say I've had my or humbly say I've had my wins, but I've also made some mistakes, which you know you can't take back, but you can certainly learn from. And yeah. uh, I'm not sure. You know, it was interesting. I like I go back to my opening comment with you about having my dad to 16 versus eight, and that sounds like not that significant a period of years, but it was pretty instrumental for me. I, I yeah. gained a lot, and you know, I to this day feel in many ways blessed that I had a father and the relationship that I had yeah. with him for 16 years versus yeah. people that I know who have fathers who are still alive or are alive until they're, you know, in their, the kids are in their, our age, 50, yeah. 60 years old. And they don't garner from that relationship yeah. what I garnered yeah. in 16 years. So mm-hmm. he taught me a lot. He taught me the love of the outdoors. He taught me, you know, the meaning of the dollar. He taught me to be honest and hardworking and, you know, speak your mind and all the sort of basic fundamentals, which, I'd like to believe that I'm passing down in my own style and way. Mm-hmm. I'm not perfect because none of us are, but yeah. passing it down to my kids. And, you know, I think it's been a, a good foundation, hopefully a good foundation yeah. for them as well. So You know what? Talk about hunting with your dad because that was a big part of your relationship. Yeah. I and, mean, you know, and it's something you continue to do. And every time you step in the field, do you think of your dad? How does it, all that kind of. <laughs> sort of emotional talking about yeah. it. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, I think those trips. I used to, I used to have four day school weeks. He would meet all my teachers at the beginning of the school year and say, <laughs> <I did. laughs> "Okay, Dad, yeah, we're no, in. Would, <laughs> I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in." Uh, no, he would say basically meet all my teachers and say, wow. "You know, my son and I are." We love to hunt together and, you know, he'll be taken off every Monday. And wow. um, <laughs> yeah, and if he's not keeping up the schoolwork, please uh-huh. let me know. But otherwise, you know, plan to see him uh-huh. here Tuesday through Friday. And, wow. um, you know, I just want to let you know. That. <laughs> so we, we spent basically uh-huh. eight weeks straight the first, you know, two months of school. I was a four, four day a week school kid. Uh-huh. But, um, you know, I think the lesson in the field was much more valuable than an extra day in the classroom. Yeah. Gave and so you'd head from Birmingham to where? We went up to, we started, we fo- used to follow the migration of the woodcock. So there wow. was a migratory bird that stood these season starts on my sister's birthday, September 15th for uh-huh. both grouse and woodcock, which occupy more or less the same habitat. And uh, we would sort of start up in the northern part of Michigan, the Upper Peninsula, and we would be there for the first oh, and then three or way four down weeks. And then as the weather the got fall. colder and the right, birds moved, right. we okay. moved with them. So three days, five hours in the car each way, and then romping around in the woods and having yeah. dinner in the camper. And, you know, just you and your dad, You those are some yeah, memorable times. Awesome. It's, you know, yeah. in a different way, the same thing as we just experienced this afternoon with fishing with a friend. You know, yeah, it's yeah. like those are indelible memories that yeah. – um, create a real love for the person, a love for the experience and the outdoors. And it's just sort of that uh, hypnotic, intoxicating aspect of the of nature that I think is yeah good for good for us all or good for many anyway. So. So, yeah, I think those two months were probably and those specific weekends were the foundation of the and the real deep roots of my relationship yeah, with yeah, my dad. I mean, something. he came to my hockey games and took me to the Red Wings game and to the Lions game every Thanksgiving at the yeah. old Briggs Stadium in Detroit. And, uh, <laughs> you know, we had some great yeah. times. But I would say, you know, if I if you if I close my eyes and thought about my dad, it would be us in the woods. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so pretty awesome. It really was. It was a it was a great bonding experience. And, um, you know, when you only have each other to talk to, you the yeah, conversation yeah. flows. So. And you don't even have to talk it. So. Yeah, you don't. Mm-hmm. A lot of times it's just, you know, mm-hmm. silence. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Let, let's talk about business for a second that you had a, a you've had a great real estate career and uh, you accomplished a lot in what, 30 years in the business, right? Something like that. Yeah, 34. 34. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And it's come to a close in the right way that, you know, when you've had tough situations at work or you know, you're faced with a big meeting or a really challenging situation. It, uh, you're, you and your dad never got to talk about business. Did you have, did, would you ever think about him when you were? Uh, yeah, and I think there was some osmosis that went on, honestly, mm-hmm, when, you know, mm-hmm. he, he was a manufacturer's rep and represented about 10 to 12 uh, companies that mm-hmm. were in the industrial and hand tool business in the Midwest, basically with a lot with the car manufacturers or subcontractors, yeah. the car manufacturers. But he had his office in the home. Therefore, I ended up seeing and, and and I even when I was a little kid, when I was probably in you know kindergarten to first grade, I'd yeah. go on three or four night road trips with him, and we'd go to different parts of Michigan and Ohio. Oh, wow. and he'd take me on those business trips, and uh-huh. I'd see him talking to customers and keeping notes of conversation and little 
you know, index card so he could remember the next time he called on him in four months. Says, "Oh, Bob, how's Franny and Stepford and Henry?" <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Oh, did they make the team? Yeah, did yeah. they make the team exactly? Right. So little snippets that I, even at that youthful age, and then as you know, he was working from home and I was growing up, I, I saw a business acumen and a work ethic that um, I think was indirectly taught to me. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean about the difference between you losing your dad at eight yeah. mm-hmm. and mine at 16. That was yeah. a span of yeah. half a dozen or eight years is was a pretty informative period of time for me, an influential time for me. Yeah. You know, I wish he, he could have seen the success that I've yeah. you know, been had the good fortune of, as, yeah. you know. He'd be very proud. Yeah. Yeah. I think he yeah, hopefully he is upstairs. But yeah. Um, but yeah, I would have liked to have shared it more directly here on you know the earth. But I attribute a lot of it to that event of maybe losing the, the, the dad early and yeah. growing up quickly and starting to focus on really the important things in life at an early age. Yeah. And, um, you know, I have I've had a lot of luck. I mean, I. Yeah. Like to believe I added a little bit of value to the yeah. organization. Yeah, your luck. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's the blind nut or the blind squirrel finding yeah. a nut. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I uh, I yeah, you maybe created you know all of us create some luck, but I I do think I've had some good fortune working with some really great people and an organization that for twenty some odd years in my thirty four before we sold the company had a culture of really celebrating the we not the me. There was a lot of humility that went around and everybody sort of paid homage and respect and gave accolades to humility. And through that, we had a diverse makeup of really smart people. And by assembling everybody's perspective, we came up with a better mousetrap, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty neat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting that it's nice to have some infrastructure in your life, some support and you know, occasionally when things are going awry, that I, I just remember going to work the first day riding up the elevator, like, oh man, this is something. And uh, and just thinking, well, you know, I got somebody looking up, looking down from upstairs. Mm. It's just kind of a calming effect that mm. it, uh, is that played a role in your life? Do you ever think of it that way? Or has it been more just what's embedded? I'm not sure, you know, it's, I will say I've never forgotten his absence, Yeah. but you're, I've become more accustomed to living with the void and I'm not sure how exactly I describe that, but he's always there, but he's never there. Right. You know, so I I think it's a, it's a fine line in terms of, you know, do I, I don't consciously make attributes to, wow, I learned that from my dad or. I do have moments that says I would have loved to have shared this beautiful yeah. place that we both yeah. are fortunate enough to have a little cabin. Yeah. In, All right. Because he would relate to this place. Yeah. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it, it, it reflects our relationship that was bonded by nature, you yeah. know? And yeah. so, so there's, there's pieces that I see of me in him. There is certain smiles or pictures that are taken or postures that have, that are there that I say, oh, that's a little bit like my dad. Uh-huh, you know? uh-huh. So it's it's funny. So there's there's moments that I he's brought to the forefront, mm-hmm. um, but many and you know family events, Christmas time, always yeah. things like that. Those are those are days yeah. that you always kind of reflect on loved yep. ones that aren't with us anymore. So, but I think on a on a pure business standpoint, I think the biggest thing that I think about with him is just how much I would have loved to have seen him 
his pride in my yeah. my success or yeah. accomplishments. Yeah. You know, he would have really enjoyed yeah. that. So, you know, it's interesting. And I think it's a great line is that uh, integrity, what integrity really is, is what you do when no one's looking. You know, you're not trying to impress somebody. You're doing it because it's the right, right thing. thing to do. And I yeah. just wonder if that's where, you know, just having that strong base. I think that's probably that. true because mm-hmm. I, I will say he was a really morally grounded individual. Uh-huh. And um, I have my I've, I've had <laughs> hopefully hopefully fewer in the last years than the previous years. Yeah. But, you know, I've had my moments of misjudgment, but I, I'd like to believe I'm a pretty grounded individual, too. And mm-hmm. I do attribute much of that to his. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. Fatherly leadership. Yeah. And just yeah. aura about him. I mean, he was yeah. a really well-liked man. He, you know, was speaking of humility, a very humble guy in terms of what who he was and what he was all about. He was a ton of fun to be around. You know, he's like, oh, you know, I, I got a hand. I can count. He was telling us, told me I, I can count my hand, my true friends on one hand, which to this day, that's probably in a lot of ways. If you really say true friends may not be far off for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, we have plenty of acquaintances and lots of people that we enjoy, but really solid people that will always be there for you. You have a half a dozen, you have a dozen. I, I don't know what it is, but he had a lot of people that really liked him. He had a full church when time was oh, time I'm for the sure. tourists. So. Oh my gosh. I'm sure. But, yeah. you know, he really looked at it himself and thought he was, you know, again, pr- a pretty humble guy yeah. that says, you yeah. know, I really got four or five really close friends and that's how he kind of looked. At yeah. The world. Yeah. So. so what kind of message would you have for, you know, somebody like your mom who must've been, 45 ish. He was 51. He was 61. Oh, that's right. They got married a little later in life. Yeah. 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 He was 36. He was 26. Yeah. 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 What what kind of message would you have for For the widow? Yeah. I I mean, from a kid's perspective, obviously, it's hard to, you know, know, as I've grown on and my mom now, as you know, has passed a few years back. Yeah. I'm sorry. She had a fulfilled life because my two sisters basically grew you know, raised families in the same town and lived close to my mom. So her world was the grandkids of, I mean, not to say our kids didn't get exposure, but not on a regular basis. And that really created a purpose and fulfillment for my mom. But I wish that she had found a second love because I think at that youthful age that, you know, I'm and you were already well past, I can't imagine not having a Joni or a Robin and not that you're ever looking to replace them because you can't. Right. But I would have liked to have seen her have another chapter of love. Yeah. Maybe Mm -hmm. that's the best way to describe it. Yeah. So God forbid that happens to us, but it happens to everybody that you lose a spouse. And depending on where you are, I'm not saying find another love for the sake of having a companion, but, but put yourself out there. And, and cause I think there's another, there's another chapter that can be lived and I won't say my mom was unhappy because she really wasn't. She she, I think, felt blessed. Well, she was so centered around her family, right? Centered right. around her family. And, you know, and gra- she taught forever. Right? She taught. Yep. Yeah, she taught school and she had friends in there and she had certainly had wonderful neighbors and friends of my mom and dad when they were couples. And so everybody kind of looked after her and she continued on. But as we all know, as we age, our world begins to shrink and yeah. it can kind of shrink prematurely, I guess. Sure. And, yeah, and that's yeah. where. Yeah. I would say there's some merit to saying, is there somebody else besides the one that I committed to? 
Now, what message would you have for that 16-year-old kid that just lost their parent? You're going to be okay. Yeah. You know, it sounds simple, but yeah, you feel undone. As you know, the wheels are off and you're shocked and you got a big hole in your heart. And But you'll be okay because yeah. I think you not that you're we want to go through those tough experiences, but whether it's the loss of a parent or a loved one or some other tragedy or difficult life situation, mm-hmm. they end up being some of the most important and growing experiences. Mm-hmm. Not the most pleasant, mm-hmm. but they serve to, in many ways, catapult you forward. Mm-hmm. So I think that's that's yeah. a simple message. Yeah. And, you know, I think the irony in terms of, hey, hopefully that 16-year-old kid's going to get married, start a family. The irony is you you can play the field a little bit. You can see what fathers you don't have respect for that might have that iron fist that are just too tough on their kids yeah. or not there for their kids. Yeah. Or, you know, it's all about work, all about play or whatever yeah. it might be. You know, that in the book I wrote about the Millers that uh, yeah. uh, we were both close to this really great family and a really terrific guy who I'm sure had some flaws that we didn't know about, but he was so much fun for us to be around. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you get to, you know, pick up some of those sort of yeah, things. Yeah, I think I think your sensitivity or maybe what you're driving at, which is a really good point, is my observations of relationships of my friends with their fathers was heightened because I had exactly. I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, and I do think I saw the good and the bad and the ugly, so yes. to speak. Yeah, and I said, I know what I want. I yeah. know what I want to be. So again, that hole in your heart, that void, that nasty experience of losing yes. your dad, gave me perspective and said, I know what's important, and I know what I'm going to be like when I, it's my turn at the wheel. I absolutely agree with that. So. Yeah. You know, I do think, you know, whereas I think if my dad was around till I was 20 or 30 or 40, I probably wouldn't have observed others' relationships as yes. closely as I did yeah. because of that absence. Yeah, I absolutely so. agree with that. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. You know, you, you're dealt such a negative, but then you can turn it into a positive. Yeah, by, yeah. You know. And I think, you know, back to what's the message to the kids and the wife is, is that how do you turn tragedy into triumph? Yeah. You know, how do you make lemonade out of the lemon? Because yes. I think that that ability to do that is something that I still strive at today. Yeah. And uh, in certain circumstances, I'd say I'm good at. In other circumstances, I say I'm not nearly yeah. as good as I should be. Yeah. yeah. But I'm aware. Yeah. You know, and awareness is half yeah. the battle, I think. Yeah. You know, let me ask you one question that you're, you had a long hockey career. Your dad was there for the start of it. And then, you know, say, you know, at almost all your games, then suddenly he's not there. That changed your approach on the ice at all? Or how did that? That's kind of an interesting thing. You know, I guess I was, I would say, if I look at my hockey career, and you're nice to call it a career. <laughs> <laughs> That's damn complimentary, Bob. <laughs> you, you know, somebody had to be the last guy cut on the U.S. Olympic team in 1980, and you're one of many yeah. that it was. Yes, yeah, me and Ralph Cox. Yeah. <laughs> Both got cut at the same time. I think that I'm not sure my style of play changed. If I look at my role on the team, uh-huh. I think... 
maybe I don't know if it's I can draw a direct parallel that it or well, it's got to be part of it. I mean, it, yeah, that yeah. I became more of a leader yeah. of the teams and, yeah. you know, had that role as as my career matured. Now, yeah. part of that's just you're getting older and whatever. But but I do think that my maturity as a 16 year old probably I was more a man amongst boys in the locker room. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that led me into a leadership role. Yeah, put, besides, a, put a C on your sweater, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So, so I, that's an interesting, I never actually thought about it, but I, I could say that, that, that probably, and I look back at my, you know, high school friends and my college friends and, you know, what I did in those younger years I took on a leadership role and I do and, and I, I didn't do it with the, that intention, but I right. had the opportunity to take on leadership roles. Yeah. In a lot of cases, it was the big fish in the small pond. But regardless, it is interesting at those younger ages that perhaps my maturity from that event yeah. was a de facto characteristic that people gravitated to. Yeah. Well, and, you know, when you're you have a parent around that's kind of protecting you. It's pretty easy to have one foot on the one foot in the boat, one foot on the dock. Yeah. Then when they're not there, then it's yeah. They're both feet in the boat. Yeah. That it, uh, yeah. It's that's a pretty good metaphor for really the whole thing. Yeah. It, yeah. Uh, yeah. So you know, I, I it's funny this interview is as you know sort of off the cuff, but but you're causing me to think more about really what are the characteristics and what was that unfortunate early passing of my dad, what did that do for my trajectory in life? And that's probably yeah. more impactful than I have ever given it credit for. Yeah, yeah, you know? I bet, yeah. I, I don't know, we, we none of us can know what wasn't, but um, I do think that just becoming of age faster than most perhaps gives you a, you end up being the lead pony in the turn, so to speak. And, yeah, and that's, yeah. that's kept me, running around the track at a pace that has produced a pretty good life for me. And yeah. I can't attribute all of it to that, but I, as I think about this discussion, I, I do think that there's more more to that than I've perhaps yeah. given credit before. Probably a pretty pretty critical yeah, part of Yeah, as it makeup. has been for you. Yeah, I think, absolutely. You know I, mean? I think the same yeah. thing with you. I mean, I know yeah. your successes and, yeah. and, you know, your trajectory in life and Joni and the kids and family and, you know, the same good fortune in different mm-hmm. ways, but similar ways to ours that you've had a wonderful marriage and you got great kids that are grounded and you've had a glorious career. And, you know, how much is that the loss of the parent is that? And, you know, that may be in many ways, having read your book, which I my hat's off to you for sitting down and doing. That was a lot of the message that I took away from yeah, the book. Good. Was yeah. There well, were other certainly influential characters and people mm-hmm. and accolades for for people that have played a role in your life but those probably emanated from yeah. passing of your dad and yeah. that absence seeking out yeah. other father figures yeah. other families that you wanted to resemble or that right. gave you a sense of continuity and grounding mm-hmm. so yeah yeah so that's the you know I do think that if you put a not intentional spin but perhaps a assessment of your life, my life, and those that you choose to interview after this, mm-hmm. that may be a recurrent theme that yeah. comes mm-hmm. comes out. Yeah, yeah. Well, it'll but, be interesting, but yeah. it, it certainly is. And, uh, you know, I think 
gosh, you know, for people that are might be listening to this because they've suffered a loss, there really is such reason for hope. Hey, it's a tough year. We don't want to, you know, the, underestimate the, or under exactly, yeah. exactly. It's and it it there that loss will always be there, but there's another side to it, and there is a positive side. Yeah, and I do think you know I said it earlier in the discussion. I do think you learn to live with the void, mm-hmm. and yeah. you sow the. You sew the the blanket together, so to speak, yeah. knowing that that void's there, there, yeah. and, and you you patchwork it, and you can still create a pretty a pretty beautiful pattern. Yeah, absolutely. You know? yeah, so, yeah, yeah, and that's what you've done, and I think I've done in my own style. So yeah, yeah, and I mean to say capitalize on the void, that's a little much, but yeah. I think you can slightly tweak it to the positive side. Yeah. So mm-hmm. well, it's hard to see when it's when it's there and happening yeah it's hard to see any any rays of hope or sunshine you know yeah but Mm -hmm. i think as you reflect back and you get past the darkness there are tremendous lessons and value valuable experiences as unpleasant as they may be that emanate out of that that create character yeah and Mm -hmm. you know i mean you talked about it i think in another podcast just talking about some of the great leaders that have been in our country here that lost parents at an early age or in particular mm-hmm. fathers and uh, they've turned out okay. Yeah. That's why yeah. I sort of, that's why I said, you asked me the question, what's the message? You know, to me, it's going to be okay. Yeah. It will be okay. Yeah. yeah. You just got to believe that and you got to, you got to turn the corner. Indeed. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Good. Well, I'll tell you what, we both have finished our beers. That's about 30 minutes. So it might be about the right length. And, uh, but I think we covered a lot. Well, Thanks for having me. Yeah, indeed. <laughs> Again. <laughs>